Now, should patients plan their mammograms around their COVID vaccination schedule? What about plans for other vaccines, such as the one for shingles? Plus, the state of South Dakota reaches a vaccine milestone. Dr. Shankar Kaur is Vice President of Medical Affairs at Monument Health, and he joins us for our weekly South Dakota COVID update. Dr. Kaur, welcome back. Thank you, Lori. Pleasure to be here. So tell us a little bit about uh, mammograms and the COVID vaccine, because patients are calling in to schedule their mammograms in South Dakota and are being asked when their vaccine was and saying, you know, hold off for a couple of weeks. Tell us a little bit what we know about that. Yes, um, good question. Um, the best uh, answer to that is uh, follow the directions of the folks that are um, scheduling you. Um, so two weeks. Um, typically, is the period we want to get uh, before you get the vaccine. What is the reason behind that? It has something to do with lymph nodes. What does the vaccine yeah. do to lymph nodes? Yeah. Yes. Um, so the uh, theoretical basis for that is the lymph nodes are the region where antibodies are made. They have what are called B cells, Bravo cells. And there have been reports uh, during the trials, even uh, some folks getting enlarged lymph nodes after receiving the vaccine. And so this kind of uh, throws off the mammogram, which is looking for uh, those kind of uh, signs, telltale signs uh, that uh, helps us to then uh, go down that diagnosis chain of figuring out if that is a benign uh, enlargement of lymph node, as in this case, in response to a vaccine or in response to infection versus a lymph node that could be uh, signaling that there might be uh, a breast tissue, um, either a cancer or a concern about a cancer. Yeah. So for people who are concerned about the side effect itself, um, any reason that they should be concerned if they have some tenderness or swelling in a lymph node area, say under your arm? Is that just one of the rare but uh, it can occur side effects or is something more happening there? Yes. So that one, uh, more than a side effect, is kind of expected, but it's not seen in everyone. Uh, some folks, uh, because their immune response is so robust, they have a immediate uh, uh, multiplication of the B cells that are needed to make these um, antibodies uh, in the lymph nodes. So these are seen typically in the axilla or the armpit area. Um, these are not to be of any concern at all, and that's uh, they kind of go down on their own. The swelling goes down on their own um, once that uh, reaction or the immune response has been mediated. So uh, two things from that. It is not a concern at all. It's to be expected. It's not really a side effect, truly. What it is is a uh, healthy response. All right. I had one of those uh, swollen lymph nodes once, and I was convinced it was a cancerous lump. So how do you tell the difference between a cancerous lump and just a normal uh, sort of, hey, your lymph don't... <laughs> and, and the, the yeah. spoiler, uh, spoiler alert is my doctor said, stop fiddling with it. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, <laughs> the lymph nodes uh, routinely enlarged anytime there's a uh, immune response. So typically seen in infections. So if someone had yeah. a cut uh, in their arm or their limb, uh, they can expect an swelling of the lymph node. So we check for that when we uh, do a physical exam, especially if someone comes with an infection. But um, also on the other side, when people look for um, cancers, in this case, we're talking about breast cancer, um, we also check for lymph nodes. So the only way to really know if that is uh, benign or some other c case is 
context based. So it's the clinical story, what we call the history and the physical exam. So we do a physical exam and tie it to the history. If we feel that there are enough um, story uh, to guide us uh, that this could be, then we uh, do other tests. So like your doctor said, uh, you know, <laughs> your, your concern uh, should be to then uh, request a, you know, the consultant to, or, the, or your doctor to uh, give you the answer if this is a, uh, something to be concerned to do for the test or something to be not concerned and uh, just wait for it to come down. Yeah. And my clinical story was my brother had died of cancer. And for a while there, I just was, uh, you know, in a, in a state which he knew and uh, kind of helped me walk through. So once again, reminder to people to have that good relationship with your primary care um, uh, provider, because uh, they're going to help you <laughs> through some tough stuff yes, uh, in, your, in your life. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Do we need to plan uh, shingles vaccines any differently? Uh, you know, the flu vaccination, we didn't do anything different. Um, what about other vaccines such as shing- shingles or tetanus? Yes. So all vaccines, the recommendation is wait two weeks, 14 days before you get any, um, you know, this vaccine. And this is, again, a theoretical um, concern. Um, we don't know uh, and that's why we, we're not uh, saying you should uh, combine this with other vaccines. Um, most other vaccines do not uh, affect each other, um, so we don't, you know, keep that spacing. Uh, but uh, theoretic, theoretically, uh, that's why we recommend two weeks. So two weeks after getting this vaccine, you can get any, any other vaccine. And if you've had the flu or the shingles, let's say today, then you wait two weeks before you get the COVID vaccine. Mm. All right. South Dakota has now vaccinated more than 123,000 people. Our total number of people that we know or suspect have had COVID is officially at 111,334, which means we have now officially vaccinated more people than have ever been sick that we've been able to document here in the state. Tell me about that milestone. Very important milestone. This is the most optimistic I've ever felt in the entire pandemic that uh, since last year. So, uh, Lori, this is a this is a very bright light uh, that is guiding us and telling us uh, that we're getting to the end of this, uh, at least as we can expect. Because uh, two things. Most recently, there was a paper published last week from Israel, the scientists there, because they had done a mass vaccination. Uh, push to get everyone immunized. And the results of that are uh, quite telling. What it shows us are two things. One, this is as effective as uh, the trials have shown. So you get a a 95% protection. Secondly, this is the most uh, important part, that uh, 85% protection against transmission. So what it means for South Dakota with this important landmark is that we are now uh, at a very good place uh, to stop the spread of the disease. Uh, so no transmission because we've got more folks uh, both, uh, you know, vaccinated, and now we've got a large number that also had uh, COVID. So there's natural immunity from getting the disease and then uh, vaccine-mediated immunity. So if you add those two, of course, there's going to be an overlap. Uh, we still have a significant number uh, right there, and which is why I'm very optimistic Uh, that this is going to stop the spread of the disease. And if we continue and get to at least 75 to 85 percent of South Dakotans vaccinated with COVID-19 vaccine, 
uh, we will truly stop this uh, disease in its tracks. So early on, we were looking at communities that had uh, substantial community spread, and there was actually a time where we were testing, tracing, and isolating, you know, when there was one or two cases in a county, for example. Do we do this in reverse now, where is it possible that there could be some counties, for example, where there is no um, discernible COVID presence, and will we, will we know that? Yeah, so that answer will be a difficult one unless you do a lot of testing. One other way of looking at it mm-hmm. is if we can get um, enough number of folks in counties uh, to take the vaccine. So if you can get to 80% in every single county, that alone mm-hmm. uh, will tell us uh, that we've got immunity. That's what uh, herd immunity is all about. Um, there's no way to know until you actually test every one of them to see if they have antibodies. Uh, that's one way of doing it. But if you know they've been immunized, that's another way to say very confidently that we don't, um, we've got a block against this disease and we will succeed in stopping it. Yeah. How is the vaccination going in the sense that it seems that those numbers, and I'm sorry, I don't have them at my fingertips right now, uh, they are increasing and we're vaccinating an awful lot of people per day. Tell me a little bit about how the process is going. Yes, uh, the process is going extremely well. I want to say hats off to all the folks at Monuments Health and the other health systems in South Dakota doing a phenomenal job. The logistics of it are still quite mind-boggling because you have to make sure once you open these vaccine vials to give uh, doses away, and there are five doses at a time in in the case of Pfizer and then 10 doses at a time in the case of Moderna. And... um, it's going extremely well. We've actually expanded to, as you know, the mall with the Herberger space where we're giving the vaccines away. And we've got uh, folks registering uh, actively online. I would recommend all your listeners to register. Uh, we call you back once you register. And uh, we've been giving away at least 800 uh, more vaccines daily. And this is a good pace. Uh, if we continue this way and we continue to get the vaccines, Uh, I'm confident that West River, we can get to that herd immunity. Tell me a little bit about uh, now, as of today, Monday, February 22nd, 65 and older. But then we're also going to have people coming back for their second dose. So as we march through younger people, as we get to college students and, you know, uh, we're also going to be going through a second dose. So those that, that logistical challenge continues to expand. How are you preparing for that? Yeah, we're well prepared for the second dose because every time we give the first dose, we give a vaccine card. We have it, uh, you know, electronically registered. So we have track of those folks and we have the vaccines to give as well. So the good news there is so far, at least, the State Department of Health has done a great job giving us the supplies needed both for first and second doses. So we have every confidence we can get everyone their second dose and continue to move uh, by next week and beyond into more larger phase two where we get into everyone uh, that is not included in the um, more uh, high priority groups. I want to go back to something you said about the the study in Israel and some other stuff that I've been finding online. And we're always careful when we have these conversations that we don't give people... You know, for example, we should go back and say, hey, don't postpone your mammogram. (laughs) Talk to your (laughs) provider if you're scheduled. Make that call. If you have to wait two weeks, make sure you get that mammogram. 
um, done. We like to give factual information, um, but also provide that kind of context. So this is one of those questions that probably needs some context, and that's that I'm reading these Pfizer and Moderna doses are awfully protective a couple weeks after that first dose. What are we learning about how much immunity you might have right away within the context of, hey, you really need to show up for your second shot. So let's talk a little bit about what we know and how booster shots really kind of work. Can you explain that to me? Yes. So the the whole primary and secondary dose, one and two, are based on the fact that from the trials, we know after the first dose, it's variable. Um, Two weeks after the first dose, anywhere from 45% to 75% protection. So that's a huge range, as you can see. There's not a lot of confidence in that range. If, if you told me there was a 70 to 75% protection, that would be wonderful news because we don't know who's getting the 45% protection, who's getting the 75% protection. It's a big spread. By the time you get the second dose and you wait 14 days past, they've found that you are now at 95% protection. So, yes, you can draw some conclusions that after the first dose, people are fine and uh, they may be okay, um, but that's a risk, again, you're taking, and especially given that we're talking about variants and also some form of, you know, uh, the risk of uh, developing new variants as a result of not being fully protected. And this puts the importance uh, for all of us to take this uh, quite seriously and complete the series of primary and secondary doses. Hmm. What about those variants? What are we learning about their presence in South Dakota? I mean, we have to assume that many variants are here, but how, how, do we, how are we screening for them? What do we already know and what is the unknown here? Yeah, the good news there is um, last week we had over 9,000 nationally um, positive tests that were sequenced. And this is going to double and triple in the coming days as uh, they're ramping up the sequencing. Uh, what, what it means is every time there's a positive test done in South Dakota, 10% of those will be sent out to uh, the bigger labs nationally, uh, big reference labs, where they can actually genetically sequence the positive virus and identify it based on that sequence as either a variant or the ancestral strain from Wuhan. So and this is important, uh, as you clearly understand, that we then understand if it is spreading in a rapid city or in the West River area or what parts and what kind. So far, because of the low number sequence, we haven't yet uh, had a report of a variant in the state of South Dakota. That does not in any way, absence of evidence doesn't in any way confirm that there are no spread of variants here. More than likely, we will uh, find out in the next week or two that we've had these variants all along. Um, That's the Mm -hmm. case across the United States. The good news, if you want to look at it uh, appropriately, is that even though we're reporting these variants across the United States, we have not seen a rise in cases, uh, unlike the U.K. experience. So it's hard to say why that is the case. There are several reasons, uh, number one being that we're already in the decline uh, as far as the trend line goes across the state and across the country, which is all very good. As you can see, hospitalizations have been down for a long while now. Uh, those are probably your best indicators because testing can be, you know, if you don't do enough tests, it sounds like we're decreasing numbers, but the evidence is very strong that the case numbers are down, the hospitalizations are down. So these are all pointing towards 
the uh, multiple factors that are helping us, uh, probably the seasonality of the virus, uh, efforts made by the public, uh, not gathering in places. And if you can see, the peak we hit across the country was just around the holidays. And ever since then, we've seen a very dramatic and steady decline. Yeah. So you mentioned the behavior of people, and we've talked a lot about this as far as what people are, are willing to do and what they're not willing to do. And I remember talking to Kim Olson Marisden once and saying, you know, if you could wave a magic wand without consequence, is there one thing that you would tell people to stop doing? And she said, wow, I wouldn't tell them to stop doing it. But it's just people getting together in their houses. It's not, you know, we've noticed that everyone who eats at a restaurant is, you know, spreading this or it's all the college campuses. The number one thing they were finding at that time that I talked to her was people just get together. Um, our behavior is making a difference in this effort. What do you, you know, the mask mandates, the people sort of learning how to do this a little better, changing their behavior, incorporating it into their daily lives. Do you think we are making a difference in our efforts? Answer is yes. Uh, resoundingly yes. Um, there has to be, and this is the epidemiology of this disease. Um, it's like most of these respiratory viruses. The key is people. And, and it's, very obvious that across the nation, not just here in West River, folks have really taken uh, heed uh, based on all the rising numbers um, uh, and not to do the very things that Kim Malsam Risen uh, alluded to. Um, the biggest spreaders, and we call this, we, we use this word, which is, is kind of some people find it insulting, is super spreaders and super spreading events. They usually, unfortunately, funerals, weddings, birthdays, people gathering in close spaces and usually large family gatherings. And it's unfortunate. But it, the good news is uh, clearly the disease has taught us um, to be uh, cautious, careful and avoid those things. And clearly that's that's what's happened. Uh, people have changed their behaviors on their own and uh, for the better. And it's really helped us in bringing those hospitalizations down and bringing those deaths down. Yeah, we can in fact adapt. <laughs> yes, we can. <laughs> what do you know? <laughs> we can learn new skills. <laughs> uh, I have definitely learned the skill of not touching my face. That was like the biggest thing for me when I realized how much I touch my face. And that is a habit I can safely say is uh, very different than it was uh, a year ago. I, I want to just wrap up our remaining time here, Dr. Kaur, with uh, circling back to this idea of getting caught up on some of your medical tests, what, what people postponed, what are some of the things that you want people to know now, even though we are far from out of the woods? Um, if you have been waiting to, you know, go see the dentist or the eye doctor, um, is it time to do that or wait a little bit longer? Like, how do you help people sort out the things they really have to make an appointment for and not delay and the things that they can put off a bit? Lori, great question. I think it's very important for everyone to understand that uh, precautions are important, but uh, do not uh, postpone uh, your uh, routine care and other care. Um, you can schedule this ahead of time. So the way health systems, including Monument Health, we are taking great care to ensure that we don't put our patients at risk. Uh, and what we want our patients and anyone, even routine or other types of care, to not delay or postpone uh, come seek that, uh, you know, get get scheduled, 
you will be treated in a safe manner. But more importantly, this is the best thing you can do to take care of yourself. It is time now for us to not delay that. At one point during the pandemic, this was not a good time, but this is um, that's over. I think it's uh, clear and it's very important that folks uh, get those care that they need. Yeah, precautions are important still, but, uh, and there are some things that you should never, you know, your colonoscopies, your mammograms, your cancer screenings, um, skin cancer screenings. Hopefully people did not postpone those, and if they did, um, call and make that appointment uh, today. (laughs) Any final (laughs) thoughts? I was thinking in the last 30 seconds, Dr. Kerr, about when we get to 18 and 20-year-olds, how much fun that vaccine clinic is going to be. And uh, Seth Topper said, you know, he did a story out at the Herberger site, and he said, it's pretty fun now. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, there's a lot of hope and energy in that room, no matter what age you are. And I think that's something to, to leave us on. You're feeling a sense of hope, too. Yes, I, I think we will uh, get there. Uh, the vaccine makers and the researchers are very uh, confident that we'll get the pediatric population as well. Uh, and so yeah. I think by the, by the end of uh, this year, we should be in a great place. In the meantime, wash your hands. Uh, keep your distance. Don't gather indoors in large crowds. <laughs> yeah, and keep those masks, right? It's not time to throw out the yeah, masks absolutely. yet, is it? Keep, please All keep right. those masks on. <laughs> Dr. Shankar Kerr with uh, Monument Health. He's Vice President of Medical Affairs and really has been a voice throughout this pandemic for all of South Dakota and beyond. Thank you, Dr. Kerr. Thank you, Lori.